Hey guys, this is Vaughn Kohler and you're listening to the MFCEO Project. Your small business is getting bigger. That's a good thing, right? Well, it's also challenging and at times stressful. Today, Andy is joined by good friend and fellow entrepreneur Jillian Tedesco of Fit Flavors. The two of them, and yours truly, talk about how to manage the growth that comes with success. That's today's podcast. Hey guys, what's up? You're listening to the MFCEO Project. I'm Andy. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, DJ God. DJ, DJ God. I think my favorite is Vaughn the Impaler. Of course it is. Yeah. I'm here with my co-host, Vaughn the Impaler, producer Tyler in his salmon shorts. What's up, dude? What's up, guys? And we have a special guest today, Jillian Tedesco, one of my good friends and a fellow entrepreneur. Hello. Hey, everybody. So today... The term entrepreneur has become like the sexy, cool thing to do. Now everybody's an entrepreneur. You know what I'm saying? They think entrepreneurship is like about running down to the Starbucks and you're fucking uh, with your hipster beard and your fucking coffee, chilling with your Mac and the fucking, you know, um, in the lobby of, of Starbucks with your triple vente bullshit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love it. Triple vente. Yeah, man. <laughs> Whatever, dude. I don't even fucking know what they serve there. I'm just making that up, clearly. But the point is... No, it's got to be pumpkin now, right? Pumpkin, like that's right. The thing, right? Pumpkin spice. Like Uggs and pumpkin yeah. spice? <laughs> pumpkin <laughs> so, spice latte. So, yeah. dude, so, so the thing is, is like, you know, 20 years ago, being an entrepreneur, you know what that meant? That meant you fucking lived in your mom's basement. It meant you were a loser. It meant you didn't have a fucking job. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? How are you paying your bills? Right. I'm an entrepreneur. Like, if you wrote entrepreneur on a credit app, they fucking laughed at you. That doesn't even count. That's not a real job. Like, seriously, that's right. what it used to be. Now right. it's like become this sexy thing that everybody wants to be one and they don't really realize what it takes they hear these stories of you know uber 2010 now it's a multi 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 billion dollar company right you know instagram they hear all these stories especially in the tech world of these companies that raise massive amounts of money and then go into (laughs) business you know and then become successful they don't it's just become over glamorized. You know what I mean? And so what Mm -hmm. I want to do and the reason I wanted to bring Jillian on, because we've had a lot of conversations just in, in person about business. Talk about some of the real things that, that you think about and go through as starting a small business. It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, I mean, Jillian, you didn't get to raise $400 million to start your startup. Did you? No, I did not. Yeah. You know, people get into this with the, with the idea that it's not, that it's not a difficult thing to do. Right. You know, and the reality is, is there's a million little things that happen along the way that <clears throat> quite honestly drive you fucking crazy and you have to come across. So with that being said, you know, um, why don't we just talk about your story and how you came up with the idea for what, tell people what you do and then, you know, how you came up with the idea and then where, where we're at now and then we'll just kind of get into it. So I don't have any professional background. I actually didn't even graduate college. I started personal training when I was 18 years old. I loved fitness, loved health. I was like, this is what I want to do. So I just was like, why not just get certified and start working? So that's what I did. Did that for 12 years. Um, I actually opened my own personal training studio when I was 22. I was working at a place, and some of the guys were leaving to opening their own studio. They're like, hey, do you want to open this with us? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? I always wanted my own place. So I went home to my husband, Jason, who I'd been with for three months at the time, told him the idea. He liked the idea. We decided, let's put up a bunch of money. We put it in, did that for two and a half years. And one day went into work, had this blow up with my partner. And it's actually a really shitty story what went down. But bottom line, I left that day and I did not look back. Um, Mm -hmm. I couldn't go back there. It was volatile. It was negative. And he was he was an idiot. He he was not a good person to do business with. And I learned that now I look back and I'm like, we all go through this. Why would I do that? Mm -hmm. I was 22. I put Mm -hmm. so much, we put so much of our hard earned money. Jason helped liquidate part of his savings so I could go do this. Yeah. But see, here's what I want to point to you guys. Okay. We're going to talk about the process of being an entrepreneur. Most people will fucking quit right there. They said, dude, business isn't for me. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They say, Oh man, I just got screwed up in this bad business deal. I lost my savings. It didn't work out. Fuck it. I'm not an entrepreneur. 
And guess what? If you quit right there, you aren't. So sorry to interrupt. No, I just want to make a point that, as we go. That's all right. And you know what's funny is like I always kind of work for myself being a trainer. You never have to like punch a clock. You make your own hours. Um, so when I left, I'm like, what do I do now? So I, where do I go around the corner to some mom and pop gym? I, hey, can I bring my clients here? And started working and felt like a loser. I'm like, yeah. this, I'm better than this. You know, like I'm not going to work for somebody else at the bottom. Like I'd been at the top, you know, but here I thought I'd lost everything. And uh, I kind of like started having anxiety. It was, mm-hmm. it was crazy. Um, I couldn't sleep at night. I'd wake up. I just was freaking out. I didn't know what was wrong with me. Um, and actually one night I had a nervous breakdown and I went to the hospital and she's like, you know, I'm like, I had a, I think I had a heart attack. And she's like, well, you know, tell me some things that you've been going through. I actually told her what happened. She's like, no, I think you just had a panic attack. Mm -hmm. And right there at that moment, I realized, oh shit, what am I doing with my life? Like, I I don't know. And, you know, I was always really passionate about food and it's something I always spent so much time counseling clients on. I would, Go to the grocery store with them. Go to their house. Show them how to cook. Send them home with recipes. And the clients who would listen would get the most success. And the ones that wouldn't, I, I knew their lifestyles or their love for cooking just wasn't there. Um, and, and it didn't allow them to get the results they wanted because they couldn't put the time in to cook the food. So I actually started cooking food for clients on the weekends when I was working at this gym because I had all this time. I wasn't spending every weekend hour at, at, at my, my so-called business. So I basically was like, I'm going to start another way of getting some income in. Mm-hmm. So I started cooking food, um, started with like, I don't know, 30 Tupperware. And then I would bring it to you at the gym. Mm-hmm. And within a couple of weeks, I had like eight people I was cooking for. It was pretty cool. And I actually remember this because remember whenever this is kind of funny because I didn't is, know you remembered that. Yeah. Because this <laughs> is like back like six years ago, six, seven years ago. When, when before we even had first form even going, mm-hmm. we had this little bitty shithole office in the back of one of our retail stores, and she came in one day with samples of her food, which was awesome, by the way. Even back then, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. But it was funny because that's like, I remember you starting out that way. Yeah. You know, just, I'll make your food, and and uh, I'll bring it to the gym, or I'll bring it, you know, it was just a... Just kind of cool to like remember it back then. Yeah, like I <clears throat> anybody I could meet, like I wanted you to know what I was doing, and I just wanted... I, I would do anything to get business. So it was like, I just had to put myself out there. And um, I said, you know what? I got this time at night. I go, Jay, I'm going to go to culinary school. Like something I always wanted to do, like I might as well do it. I get the credentials as a chef and make myself a little more marketable with a nutrition background, training background. I could be a chef. So I did that for a year, um, trained all day, went to school all night and then did the business all weekend. So it was seven days straight, no breaks. And I didn't take any weekends off because people wanted their food every weekend. Um, and I had my husband. He was cooking at home with me. I mean, we would cook the food, package the food, deliver the food. And it slowly grew really rapidly to where I had, like, nine refrigerators in my house. I was cooking 600. Tell them, like, like they literally had, like, refrigerators in their living room. Yeah, like, in like, my front room, which would be, like, your formal living room. We had a big, huge piece of plywood on two horses. And we would lay out all the containers. It was my husband. He packaged all the food. I would cook it all. And he would package it, and then we label it, separate it, and then I drive all over St. Louis out to, Butler, down to Butler Hill, all the way out to like Lake St. Louis to make deliveries. Which is an hour away. She's talking about different. Just, yeah. just a lot of a yeah. lot of radius, and I put together my whole delivery route, and then I'd have to coordinate with you, like when you were going to be home or when you were going to be at work, and if you weren't at home, I would get your garage code and go in your house and maybe I'd let your dog out just because <laughs> it'd make it as convenient for you. I wanted to get that sale. So I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Dude, I love that. I love hearing this because this is the shit that people don't see. People see fit flavors and guys, if you don't, you're not from the Midwest fit flavors is going to be a national level brand in a very short amount of time. They've got an awesome concept. They have an awesome product. They have awesome branding and they have awesome people behind it that care and when people come and they see like the growth that you guys have had or they see the storefronts and they see how awesome it looks and how how you know professional everything's done now like going through your kitchen is like super impressive you know what i mean and to hear to hear it like how this is like this is the shit that gets me excited you know what i mean and, and this is this is what people don't see they don't see this shit they don't see them with a house full of fucking refrigerators Making the making the meals on a on a fucking sawhorse table that they made, you know what I mean? Absolutely. They don't see that. They see oh, I 
They hear the shit on the internet. Oh, we raised $30 million. And by the way, we sold our company for $7 billion in six months. You know, this is awesome, man. This is what entrepreneurship is about, guys. This is what hustle is about. This is what it's about to start something from zero with no guarantee that you're going to ever actually make it anywhere. You know, and that's the biggest thing I see, especially, you know, I call them the young bucks. But you young bucks out there, this is how it goes, guys. This is normal. This is behind every successful business. There is a story like this. All right. Yeah, and speaking of stories, there's a great you have a great one that kind of shows your passion for food and the the comic uh, the comic interaction between you and your husband the night that you challenged him to cutting oh the potato cutting contest yeah the potato cutting contest okay I'll tell you that story story. real quick okay this was this was during this time frame where actually my husband was traveling for work all week he would he would leave early Monday morning and he would always take the early morning flight because he's like if I can take the early flight I can get there to do an eight o'clock meeting so he'd be up every day 4 30 get to the airport at six take that early flight and he wouldn't come home till like Thursday night so the only time I Thursday or Friday the only time I'd see him is on the weekends when I was cooking so I made him cook with me and make all the deliveries with me and one 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 day we were, I don't know, cutting potatoes. And I was like, let's let's have a race. And uh, he's like, that's not fair. You're like a ninja with a knife. And I'm like, well, I'll give you a head start, and you can cut less potatoes than me. So you know, we go, and I'm timing us, and um, I was doing other stuff too. I'm like blanching. I'm like cooking turkey meatloaf. I think I had some stuff on the grill, and we go. You know, we're chopping. And he's like, oh shit. And I'm like, what? He's like. I just cut my fucking thumb off. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I look over and like his thumb is like hanging off. And I'm like, oh shit, you really did. I'm like, you should probably go to the ER. And he's like, you got to take me. And I'm like, I can. I got turkey meatloaf in the oven. <laughs> and he's like, no, really. I'm like, what? You can't drive yourself? Like, you're good. That's hardcore. And it is hardcore. I was, I was really dead serious because I had a lot of fucking food to cook. And, you know, it's probably like, I don't know, seven o'clock at night. And I, you know, so I had to stop driving there. I dropped him off. I turned around and went back. I said, call me when you're ready. I'll come get you. Did he yeah. really make you drive him? Yeah, he did. Which oh, I, I'm going to bust his balls yeah, you when totally I see him should. next time. <laughs> Jason, I know you're listening. You're a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. No, so. for real, though, Jason is a huge part of the business. You guys, Jillian's the, uh, <clears throat> Jillian's the face, but Jason is very, very involved in the business, too. Pick up where you left off, though. Let's go from, like, where... You're making the shit running around to like bridge the gap to where you guys are now. Yeah. Okay. So when I, um, so one of the things I did within that time frame was I go, I think I should join Lifetime Fitness. There's a lot of people there that could use this business, this service. And, you know, I just got to start talking about it. So I joined there. I was cooking about 200 meals out of my house. When I had joined Lifetime till the end of the year, which was about seven months, I grew it to 650 meals. Wow. So at that point, when we had nine refrigerators, I had about two or three other girls in the house working with me, cooking food and packaging. One of the girls who's with me today, Jackie, she started, we make this joke, she was my dish bitch. She came over and she would wash dishes from... 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. and scrub the kitchen floor. That's all she did. And I, I every fucking weekend for me. And she never bitched about it. And she's my like general manager right, right. now. Yeah, she, she's like the main. She's like she the, knows more about the business than everybody. She's <clears throat> done everything from making pancakes to packaging and, to and, grocery shopping. And Jackie's pretty young, right? Yeah, she's really young. Right. Well, how old is she? Jackie's uh, 23. Okay. Wow. So, all right. So, I want to make a point about this. Because I see you and Jackie together all the time, all right? She's basically Jillian's right-hand person. Yeah, I mean, well, actually, I have two other people I would consider my right-hand people, too. Yeah. I mean, it's in but different let's talk, aspects. Let's talk yeah. about this, though, because I want to talk to you guys about this because we have a lot of young listeners. You are <clears throat> you don't understand that age doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your qualifications are. It doesn't matter when you're in a company and you create value, you create opportunity. And now... Jackie has put herself in a position to be in a, in a great position for a company that is exploding in growth at 23 years old. Yeah, yeah she um, she was in school kind of kind of at the time, like she was taking classes and she's like, well, I'm going to go to college. I'm like, for what? What do you want to do, Wolf? Like, you're working 40 hours a week for me. Like, fuck it. Let's just do it. Come on. Like, mm-hmm. what? Do, I'm paying you more now than you're going to start making out of college. You don't even know what you want to do. Like, yeah. you, I know you love this. Yeah, like, you're taking away that debt, too. She was just yeah. so scared to, like, let go. But when she did, she she has never looked back. And yeah. she's like, head down fucking go yeah. like sense you Dude, know and that's, that's awesome. i mean that's what you guys you know listening 
who might be working in a position for a company, you know, and you might be thinking, oh, well, you know, I don't know where this is going or I'm like looking for the next thing outside the walls of where you work. Well, how about looking inside the walls of how you could become valuable? Because that this is how it works, guys. This is this is what this is how people become presidents of companies from the person who used to wash the kitchen floor yeah. and wash the ditch, dishes. You know what I mean? That's this is how it happens. I mean, I I don't know how to make it any more clear than that. Yeah. You know what I mean? You create value, you become valuable. And this is not this is like whenever we talk about being an entrepreneur, it's not just about the person that owns the business. It's about the people that work in the business have to have entrepreneurial that's so mindset. True. You that's know what so, I mean? That's so true. Especially if you're growing bigger, like you can't do it by yourself. No. But and, but people who are in a company having that entrepreneurial mindset of how can I help? How can I provide value? How can I solve problems? You create value to the people who own the company, which commands more pay. This is how it works, guys. It's not hard to understand. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. Um, okay, so going back to being in the kitchen, uh, outgrowing my house, Jason's like, Jillian, what are you doing? This is like a serious operation. Like, you know, I think I was collecting people's money when I would deliver to your house in an envelope and I had it in my visor. I'd be driving around <laughs> with thousands of dollars in my freaking car. Jason would be like, you went to the gym. Where's the envelope? I was like, I don't know. I left it outside. I still got to deliver food to a couple of trainers. I was like food dealing bags of food outside the gym after I would work out all over St. Louis. But um, so we decided to rent a kitchen. So when we got out of my house, which was actually nicer than the rental kitchen, that thing was awful. Like I could talk about all the shitty stuff that happened to us when I was there. But um, when we were there, we put together the plan that it was time to open like a brick and mortar. Like, okay, we're going to do this. Let's offer this to St. Louis. It was It was scary, but I'm like, we have to do it. I felt like responsible in a way because I'm like here I have this great product people love it like if I don't do it like like you said I'm pussing out because I have to believe like I believed up into this point it's working I felt like I couldn't take a weekend off because I knew people needed the food so it was like I had to do it so we we decided to make the decision to find a store and hire a, a staff and 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 go with it so my next biggest step was finding an executive chef because Jill, uh, my, my husband's like, Jillian, you can't be in the kitchen every day cutting vegetables. Like, you're going to have to do so much more. you got to run a business. Yeah. Right. So I was relinquishing the one of the most importantest <clears throat> roles of the company it was actually the, the product of food. And that's what you always say. When we have conversations, because we talk a lot about this outside of this podcast. Um, I mean, they're, they're good friends of ours. We talk about this. That's what you always say. Dude, it's the food. It's the food. You can't fuck with the food. That's a quote by Jillian, man. And I love it because it's so true. You if, know? If, the, right. if the food sucks, people are not going to come back. So. Well, no. If the product sucks, no matter what business yeah. you're in. Yeah, true. And you're fucked. Especially with right. food. I mean, I mean, you have one opportunity. Well, I guess that's with everything. But, like, they taste it. They're either going to love it or it's, eh, it's all right. right. Okay. You so, know? So, so that it, raises a, a, a central question. Uh, well, go ahead, Jillian. Go I ahead. was just going to say, so with our product, it's a consistent product that you – our customers, a lot of them shop regularly. They're in there every week buying meals. So if they like the beef enchiladas or the peanut chicken over Asian slaw, it's got to taste the same every time they get it. So then it brings in factors and variables of – consistency the way it looks the the amount that's in the container it all has to be the same every time so all those steps of putting that product out there has to be executed right and you know ha having new people that you hire getting them trained so where the product is it doesn't come out messed so up. let's talk about that for a second because you mentioned a couple points that i think are important one you only have one chance to make an impression on customers okay so if you're going out with if you launch, like a lot of people will say this, they, they say this shit. I think Zuckerberg says this, um, that uh, done is better than perfect. I don't agree with that. I think that, dude, if your product is not so good that people, the first time they use it or try it, because we're both in consumable type products, they've got to say, holy shit, this is the best thing I've ever tried. Or you're not getting another chance with them. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So if you're launching a product that could actually be better, wait and launch the product when it is better. My personal opinion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, second thing that you mentioned there, and this is the big, this is a big, huge thing for all entrepreneurs, is jumping from level. I call it leveling up, right? All right. So, like when you're in the when you're in the kitchens at, or the the makeshift kitchen at your house, and you're going to open up your retail store, you got to level up, right? And there's a lot of things that go to that. There's there's the 
mainly fear, right? And, and trust. Like, who can I trust that's going to do this job the way I would do this job? You know what I mean? And, and, and will this work? And am I ready to open a store? And are people going to like it? And I think that, you know, that is the biggest bridge that most people cannot fucking cross in their mind. They can't get from, like, you know, here to there because of the, all these what-ifs, right? But what you guys have to understand is that entrepreneurship is not about guaranteed success. It's about going and not knowing, going forward and not knowing. And then whatever comes your way, you fucking deal with it. Mm-hmm. That's what entrepreneurship's about. It's about solving fucking problems as they come. It's not saying, hey, I'm going to go down this path and there's no, not going to be any problems. It's about saying, all right, I feel confident about what I do and these problems are going to come and I know it. And when they come, I'm going to fucking kick the shit out of them. Mm-hmm. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, yeah. it's like a game. It's it almost is. like you're trying to win. If you, you, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose at anything. Either, even if it's something I'm not like superly knowledgeable on, like I got to find someone on my team that is, and together we're going to make a game plan. And you know, so how did you get over the fear from like, because from going from uh, like your your house right to opening up the first Fit Flavors? <laughs> Jeez, um, it it's scary. It really is. I mean. You don't know. You're you're freaking out. I mean, we used to talk about, oh my God, what are we gonna do the first month in sales? Like, what if nobody comes? You know, and you just have to believe. If you if you truly believe in your product, and like like I've heard you talk about, you know, you, you're you're helping people. I believed I was providing a resource. Like, there's I, no question that you are. Right. People need to eat better. They don't have the time to cook the food that they know they should eat, or they don't make the right choice because it's not readily available. So I knock out both of those things with our product. So it's like, duh, why wouldn't you open it? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, just, I mean, ha- having a team behind you as well that also are like, yeah, let's do this. Let's, right. let's fucking kill it. My husband, he's always like, you got this. Why can't you do this? You're better than them, you know? And he's he, a badass too. Like I was joking earlier whenever I said that. Like a yeah. little bit about him. For people that are wondering, he used to work for he used to work for somebody pretty famous back in the oh, day. Oh, oh, um, oh, God! He kill me for not knowing this. They <laughs> just Belfort. made them. Yeah, the movie, The Wolf uh, of Wall Street. Yeah. Jason used to be like, in that office, like That's you know, in the funny. office where everybody's cheering. That he was worked fucking there. Jason when he was, was like twenty one, twenty two, or something. Yeah, He's like, so, it was so scary working there. Like, oh my God, it was. But, dude, insane. he has good stories about it. He's a badass, man. I mean, he he's... He is. He's, he's got a, a great accent, yeah, too. because he he's from Brooklyn, isn't he? No, he's from Queens. Queens. Oh, I'm sorry. Queens. So, Jillian, we did talk before uh, before we started the podcast. We were talking about how the need to create or the need to prepare more food, uh, obviously, that that's a something that's faced by all businesses is the demand is great. You start having to produce more. How do you keep quality? How do you keep the same quality that you started with? Andy, I'm sure that's an issue with you, too. So... What are the things you have to do? So, I mean, the consistency. So consistency of the product. Like, I, I've been talking to my chef about this, and we're currently in the process of developing, like, a training program uh, for all the new chefs and, and uh, prep cooks that come in because, yeah, it's one thing if me and Tucker cook the food. I mean, we know it, and we really care. And the staff we have right now, they know the product. But anybody new we bring on when we open another location is going to get thrown into the fucking fire when we're moving fast. And we're going to expect them to produce the same quality product. We have to train them. Mm-hmm. So, like, down to how what size the butternut squash is cut for every meal makes a difference because if so-and-so here fires it in the oven for five minutes and it's small dice versus large dice, I mean, the product's either over cooked or undercooked so it needs to be trained how to cut the product how to cook the product how to marinate the product how to how to slice it before it's finished so like if you can create that so process and procedure for everything that you can do in your company and make it um what do i want to say um uniform yeah and and train people on it you're going to create consistency so like i've already kind of done that in the front of the house with our training program that we have in place i've had a lot of my My employees helped me build this program. I mean, I can't take the credit for myself. I said, look, we've got to train our staff the way we want them to work. And the team that we have now love love how it is and how how we work and the culture we have there. And I said, everybody we bring on, let's show them what we expect and lead by example. So everything we do from every little how to how to run the cash out at night to how to count inventory it's all done through training even like how to educate the customer on when they come in what to say to them when they come to the cooler like 
explain the food, the product, the packaging, all of it. So they're trained on everything. There's a 60-day training program just to be an associate at our store. Wow. Yeah. And then if you want to be a manager, you have to be chosen to go through a training program to, to work as like, we call it our manager training program, where basically I get to work with you for, for two months and teach you how I want you to work. Because if I don't like the way you work and communicate, you're not going to be a good manager for whatever you're going to be managing. So we try to train everybody on everything. And really push them to the max and see what they're capable of doing. You learn a lot about a person. You talk all the time about the importance of education. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's a tough thing. It, you know, developing the systems on the back end to train everybody to become, uh, I call it paddle in the same direction, all right? If you've got everybody, you've got every, I, I, this is the analogy I literally use all the time with our own company. You're in a boat. You're in like, picture one of these big, long Viking ships, right? And you've got all these dudes rowing, all right? If everybody's not rowing the exact same pace in the exact same way, what happens? You're not moving as efficiently. No, the boat fucking goes in circles. It doesn't go anywhere. All right? <laughs> right? So you've got the guys. Eventually, it's going to turn into a circle, whether it be a small circle or a big circle. you got the guys on the left rowing at, you know, three-quarter speed. you got the guys on the right rowing at full speed. The boat's going to go in a circle. We can't go in circles. We've got to go forward. So developing the concepts on the back end to, to train your people is – I mean, it has been for me, and, and you you say what you want, but I, I think it's one of the most challenging aspects of being a business, personally. Okay, so just, just to go back to that, like, so, like I said, I have no business degree or marketing degree, and it's like, I'm trying to develop this training pro- program. I'm just making it up as we go. Dude, that's the whole point, though. Just and start doing it. I like know, I got to jump in. This is, this is the point I'm trying to make, guys. Nobody fucking knows. Like, you figure it out as you go. You know what I mean? I don't mm-hmm. fucking know when I started doing it. I didn't have somebody saying, yeah, Andy, you're doing the right thing. No, I fucking made it up. Yeah, and like, do you ever get people email you and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to start this business. Um, can you give me some tips on like, you know, h- h- how to do it? I'm like, just start doing just something. Do it. Just start doing something. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I look back and I was like, just cook the food and deliver it to every person and answer every email and give the best 100% service because once you do that and you can – capture more and more clientele look look what you've already created like but yeah it sucked for four years I was at shop and save every Friday night at 9 p.m that sucked I mean but it is what it is I mean I did it because I had to and you know I mean now I'm not at shop and save on Friday nights but (laughs) (laughs) you know like you just sometimes you just got to start doing it right right Guys, I'll take a second just to say that if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, go to the mfceo.com forward slash P27, and you can check out the notes from the conversation that we're having with Jillian Tedesco of Fit Flavors and, of course, the MF CEO himself. You can also uh, get links to our social media accounts, uh, connect with Andy on Instagram, Twitter. Actually, he doesn't do Twitter. Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what else I'm saying, but, you know, whatever. So here's the coolest thing about having a guest, which we don't have that often, and we need to start doing this more because what I like about it is that you get a true snapshot of what people have to go through to start a business. Because one of the things I get asked about on, on Instagram and Periscope all the time is this. Andy, I don't have any money. I don't have any resources. I don't have a bank. I don't have rich parents. I don't have this. I don't have that. How can I start? Well, dude, you start just like she's talking about how she started or how we started. You have a, a job. You live below your means. You figure out how to, to create a product. You go around and you hustle. And you take that money and you reinvest it. And it takes a long fucking time. You know? So when you're one of these people saying, how do I start? Unless you have the ability to raise capital, unless you have the ability to have somebody invest in you, this is how you do it. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about going around to a garage sale. And actually, he just posted a really cool video last week. I don't know if anybody caught it, but um, it was him going, like he always says, I firmly believe that my backup plan is go to a garage sale, buy shit, and go sell it on eBay to raise profit. And like he said this, right? And people and you know, people were like, Yeah, 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 that's bullshit. Because that's what they think when when entrepreneurs say things like what I'm saying now, like, hey, get a fucking job and live below your means, take that money, create a product and reinvest. They're like, Yeah, whatever, dude. That's not how you did this. No, motherfucker, that's exactly how right, I did this. Right. And what was cool about him is he says this all the time. Dude, so he went out and he made a video of him going to a garage sale 
like literally going to a garage sale, putting his words, you know, into action, bought a fucking super soaker water gun for like 25 bucks, sold it on eBay, literally three seconds later, like took a picture, post on eBay, sold it for like 250 bucks. And he's like, boom, that's how you fucking do it. And that's how you <laughs> do it. it. Is, you it hustle, is. Yeah. you know, and that's, what's great about hearing your guys' story, you know, is that, and eventually guys, you know, you, you'll get to a point. Some businesses will stay, you know, self-funded. Some businesses will, will get to a point where they attract investors, but you've got to prove to people that like, dude, going to somebody and saying, Hey man, give me a hundred grand to start my business. I promise I won't let you down. Yeah, I'm fucking right. Yeah, right. Says everybody else that asked for a hundred grand. Okay, you've got to prove yourself to a point. Nobody's just going to give it to you. So, are you willing to do what it takes with 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 five hundred bucks, you know, or less? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It comes, and, it comes down to time. People yeah. people just want everything now. They're looking same, for that quick same, thing. Same thing with like the weight loss. Like, just give it time. Like, you know, got to let it run its natural course. You know, and it takes work both in everything you do you know right. what i mean it's something you say all the time andy which is it's it's this isn't rocket science no do the work grind it out and and you're going to be successful and, be and patient. i think i think part of it is i think there have been people you know in positions of influence who have maybe taken advantage of the average entrepreneur and convinced them oh. that you have to know some complicated secret of course and but, those people are always trying to sell them something right like exactly a program. but i think what people what most people who are maybe lazier than they need to be if they complicate this situation it gives them a, an excuse if they say oh man this is just really complicated and i can't figure it out then that gives them an excuse for not not okay going well forward. then don't talk about how you're an entrepreneur right because you fucking aren't right right you know what i mean <laughs> simple as that right you know but the reality is is dude i call it aggressive patience okay aggressive patience what does that mean it's because it's like almost like a contradictory phrase right mm-hmm Aggressive patience is the ability to do every little thing that you could possibly do to move forward, but also understanding that those actions take time to materialize. Okay. So people, a lot of people will be aggressive, but they lack the patience part or they are overly patient without being aggressive. And the shit never happens for you to be successful in business. You got to be aggressive and you got to be patient. And while you're being patient, you could be 100% aggressive. Am I making sense here? Absolutely. Every single thing that you do, that you can do, every opportunity that you can take to move your business forward, how clean your store's floor is, how clean the counter is, how clean your fucking toilet is, that shit all matters. Mm -hmm. Everything matters. And you have a choice to do shit the right way or do shit the wrong way every single day. Okay? And... People who succeed do shit the right way. Every little thing, they don't say, oh, man, it doesn't matter. That was just this one time. That's loser shit, Mm -hmm. okay? What they do is they're aggressive, they're particular, they're perfectionists, but they also understand that this takes time, Mm -hmm. all right? Aggressive aggressive patience. It's something that every single entrepreneur I know has in common. Every single one. There's that paradox, though, where you are doing everything you can to have a clear conscience that you're really killing it. Yes. But then also realizing that, some things are going to take some right. time. Yeah. Somebody made a comment on my page yesterday. He's like, I'm in the first year and I'm still at a standstill. I'm like, no, brother, you're moving. You just can't see the moving. Right. You know, you're moving an inch at a time. And an inch at a time is, is what wins. You know what I mean? Not these big. And that's the problem with what I talked about in the beginning, like Uber and all this shit. People glorify the success that can be had when 99.9% of us have to do it this way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let's get back into this because I'm like having a good time hearing her talk. You guys hear me bullshit enough. So <laughs> you're, you're working in your house. You open your own store. You've got to go. It's going well. Okay. What happens next? So we, we stayed open for a year. And obviously our goal is to open several Fit Flavors locations with inside St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Was to get that second store open. You know, get another store open. Get a third store open. So we opened our business in September 2013 in Chesterfield, Missouri and we had plans to open the next one uh we started planning for it in the following like spring summer and it took forever to get all the logistics ready for the second store you don't you know you're just so like not prepared for any of this stuff when you do it and you know you're still so short-staffed and you're trying to just do the day-to-day operations of running the business and when we opened our second store it's in Brentwood 
it's actually in the same plaza as your superstore. Right. And uh, we opened in January. It didn't actually open until January. It was so busy the first month. I would say most my most of my girls were working 50, 60 hours a week just yeah. working the storefront. It so was insane. I want to bring it back. Do you remember how nervous you were about opening that second store? Scared okay. shitless. Were you, let me ask you something because we talked about this, I know, at least three or four times where you and Jason were talking about opening that store. And I'm like, fuck yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it. Remember that. And they were like, no, I don't know. You know, I don't know. We should. What do you think of this? I'm like, fucking do it now. And eventually they like did it. You know, but they had to overcome that fear. And I know for me personally, opening the second store from the first store back in 2005, six for me was the hardest thing I ever did. In business. I think it was almost harder for me and my husband personally, because, you know, then opening the first store, right? That's uh, what you're saying? I mean, we have a lot on the line personally. And, you know, it was just a OK, here we're all in, you know, mm-hmm. you just, just deal, deal yourself in. You know, we're like, if we don't if it doesn't work, doesn't work, but mm-hmm. it's going to fucking work. We're going to make right. it work. Dude, fuck <laughs> I mean, like, That's what I'm talking about. You just, um, we always, we have this joke, me and him, we just look at each other. I like to win. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. we like to win. You mm-hmm. you work at Fifth Flavors, it's cool, because Jillian, she likes to fucking win. So does Jason. So, like, that's kind of like our joke, because, you know. Dude, I fucking love that so much. <laughs> right. Because that's just so the truth. The truth is, is people who become successful entrepreneurs, they look at the failure side of it and they say, fuck that. We're going to win anyway. It doesn't fucking matter. Mm-hmm. And the people who aren't entrepreneurs look at all the shit, like, you know, the personal guarantees on the leases. All, dude, because here's the reality. If your business fails or my business fails, I mean, I, yeah, I'm fucking growing my own produce on somebody else's yard, and, you know, <laughs> under the cover of night in a ninja costume. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, like, right. that's how I'm eating. So every entrepreneur that is successful has these things on the back end that nobody really gets like dude if you fucking fail i mean literally you're homeless you know i mean i've got family that might take me in i mean most of my family thinks i'm fucking ridiculous but somebody would take me in but the point is is that's what it would come to right. and like to look at that other side and be able to say fuck that we're gonna win that's what it's about you you just have to have that mentality it's like if not then you your your team can see it you know and it's like honestly i truly believe it i mean I, it was hard probably the first year to even recognize where we had came because it happened so fast and it was all I did. Not to mention two months before we opened the store, like I was about ready to have a baby. Like I was mm-hmm. seven months pregnant. I mean, we opened Fit Flavors and you I- mean you opened a business and had a baby at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding. Yeah. Like <laughs> I was seven months pregnant when we opened the doors and- Hashtag sarcasm. I like <laughs> wanted to take like a little maternity leave. So like I took a couple weeks and you know, here I was at home nursing this baby every day my mom would drive up to the store I would go feed him in the back office and then I would go back out to the kitchen or package food or make a make a delivery I mean whatever I mean but I had this little baby and oh, then but but before that though you got to tell a story about what Jason called you when you were being wheeled around oh he didn't even use it in the right term but they used to like get so aggravated with me because I would never stop and they're like Jillian you need to sit down you're like eight months pregnant you know you're gonna have this baby in fit flavor so they made me wheel around the kitchen in a chair on wheels like they seriously right. everybody right and then so they, she was like in a wheelchair like a wheelchair or yeah. a chair that had wheels no nah, just like a chair that had wheels so they yeah. started calling me Magneto which is funny because <laughs> <laughs> which is funny because I think what Jason was trying to say was Professor X right? yeah yeah <laughs> so he, he used that context but he's like Magneto sounds way cooler so like it was this joke that like I'm Magneto and like I don't know <laughs> That's pretty funny. You know, to your point earlier, though, Andy, because you, recently you delivered a gut check to our listeners saying, you know, are you an entrepreneur or not? Well, one of the things that I think is so good, like you said, about listening to Jillian's story is that as you're talking, Jillian, if you're a listener and you're going, yeah, oh, yes, 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 that's a way for uh, for people to say, okay, I am an entrepreneur. I'm resonating with what you're saying, your whole attitude. But if you're not, Maybe it's Dude, time, it's maybe almost it's time like a. It's almost like for me, and it could be different for you, but I think it's going to be the same. For me, it's almost like an addiction type thing. Like yeah. you see other people who like gamble and like they do all these like things. Like this is my like little drug. Like all right, I got all this risk. Let's bet on this. Let's yeah. fucking go. Yeah. Like, dude, that's where my adrenaline, like my little adrenaline fix comes from. You but know? you've said this before. You have to have that because there's so much, you know, time without a paycheck. There's so much struggle. There's so much downtime being an entrepreneur that if you don't if you don't enjoy that if you don't look at it like a, a like a drug or like an addiction how are you going to persevere i mean right 
Dude, most people are going to think you're fucking crazy. Yeah. I mean, they don't get it. Well, you are crazy. But I, I, th- yeah, a lot of people see the success of your business and they think you're rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't get it. They're dude, like, dude, oh, he's so rolling you know in the, the dough. The truth of the yeah. matter is, and I, and I don't have a problem saying this because it's the fucking truth. Dude, I've been, we're level, I call it leveling up. Just like when you guys open your second store, it's leveling up. Now you're opening multiple stores after that, you're leveling up. Dude, we're in a leveling up phase in our business. I haven't got a fucking paycheck in 14 months. 17 years in. Mm-hmm. 14 months, I have not gotten paid. I fucking put all my money back in because we're leveling up. This is part of being an entrepreneur. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. But that that also goes back to what you've said again and again. For you, it's not about the money. The money's the byproduct. It's about winning. It's about yeah. success. I want to be so, the fucking best. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, Jillian? I want to be your first choice in healthy eating. Like, literally. <laughs> I'm not fucking joking. No, I know. I don't know why. I'm <laughs> like, yeah. I want people to think yeah. about Fit Flavors when they think about going somewhere and getting something yeah. healthy. I mean, where do you think about going? Nowhere other than Fit Flavors? Yeah, I mean, where do you think about, like, if that, if that wasn't somewhere that you could think of, where would you think of to go get something healthy? The only other, I, 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 I can only think of one other uh, competitor in the area, and I don't really want to no, share it's not that. Statement. It's well, not, she's so, not asking that. She's not, oh. she's not asking that. Most um, people will resort to, like, a subway. Right, exactly. exactly. They'll resort to Subway. They'll okay. resort to, like, going to Outback and getting a fucking chicken breast and some right. broccoli that tastes like so, shit. So, like, I'm I just trying to get the name out there to let people know, look, no, you can come in and just get a meal here. Like, let us provide you with a product you can trust. Not only the product, but the portion, and mm-hmm. then the flavors there, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... That's our mission. Yeah. So, so here you are. You guys have everything invested. You started literally making meals in your house. You know, moved to nine refrigerators in your house. You know, reinvest the money. Get your set. Get your your first real store open. The first real store is slammed. You're killing it. Okay. You're developing these systems and how to grow your business. You open a second store. Okay. Now. You guys have the second store open. It's killing it. I mean, what at that point in time, and I think I know the answer here, but I want to hear it. What do you think at this point in time is your biggest challenge? Because you guys are not, it's no longer, hey, we're trying to open one store. Now we've got a company. Now we're trying to grow this company. Now we're trying to open multiple stores, maybe even get it ready for franchising down the road. We have these big plans, big visions, but we need people, right? So, yeah. You know, I mean, I kind of answered the question. Almost. Just like, just growing rapidly, you want to you want to maintain the culture that you had when you ran it out of your house and you cared so much about every customer and the product so much. So, how do you get everybody else to care as much as you? They they have to see they have to see through you. So, well, so getting my getting everybody that works there to see see my vision and and come through with the same charismatic delivery i guess you could say right you passion know? passion everything. yeah so um th- that culture that we have is something that you know me and jackie and tucker my chef and one of my other girls who have been here for a really long time that have been running this company have brought on these other other people to join us i believe they have the same vision as us and we're growing and the the circle is growing, I guess you could say. I call it like the circle. You know, when they've decided, okay, I'm ready to commit. I- I'm in. You can tell by their attitude. They're willing to work. They stay late. They come early. They do things extra for you. Right. It's not even in their job description, but they do it. I mean, thank God for them because if they didn't, I mean, you wouldn't be moving forward as quickly. So how do you how do you replicate that over and over and over? Well, we do an extensive interviewing process, you right. know, and not only do I interview them, but Marcy interviews them and then another girl on the team interviews them because I want there to be like three yeses. It's not up to just me. It's up to the team. Right. Because if you don't sell three of us, I mean, if one of us says no, I mean, that's not good. Right. You know, you right. know what I mean? Right. So once you come on I, I, and, and we, we spend the time investing training you, you can see it through everybody that works there. And then we try to do things, I mean, just have fun. I mean, from day to day. I mean, it was our chef's birthday about a month ago and it was Jackie's idea to have this like surprise balloon par- balloon uh, what do I say? Balloon fight outside. He literally walked out the back and we were all outside and we just hammered him with water <laughs> balloons and super soakers. Somebody dumped him over the, the head with a bucket of water from the roof. And like, it was just chaotic. And it was, it lasted maybe like five, 10 minutes, but it was awesome. And was we all funny, talked yeah. about it for a week, you know, so something stupid like that. Or anytime someone leaves for college, we pie him in the face. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So Jillian, I do have to ask you though, cause you talked about 
that's the way things are now. But I know that you and I have talked before, like when you were first starting out, you're kind of, everything was messy. You didn't know what you were doing. You, you even said like, we'd hire people just being glad that they work for us. So when, when did you make the transition from just trying to get warm bodies in to work for you to, to realizing I, that you were at a place where, okay. When I realized other people were talking to the customers besides me ah. and I'm like, Oh shit, you know, I better trust these people. Right. And like, you better walk the walk and live the lifestyle and, and, per, and, like, I want people to believe you and trust you that mm-hmm. you give a shit. Because right. if I'm just hiring someone because they need to work, like, they're not going to care about our brand, you know? So it's like, I'd like to see that there's some vested interest within themselves outside of Fit Flavors that they, they're they interested in food or fitness somehow. So when they come in, they are excited to be there. Because if they're not, then it's going to show. And the right. customer's going to mm-hmm. feel that. So how do you plan on taking the culture that you naturally organically built because you're a passionate person. You've got the electricity about you. I think anybody that knows you will say that, you know, you've got one of those electric personalities that kind of just rubs off on people. And you can do that at this point in time because you have, you know, um, what, 60 employees, right? Yeah, something like Around that. Around 60. How do you plan on growing that whenever you have, let's say, stores in Minneapolis or stores in Florida? How do you keep that? I mean, what... We talked about this, you and I, off the show. So, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm interested in hearing what your strategy is for that. And let's talk through that. Because I think that's, a, that's another leveling up issue that most companies can't do. It's all about leveling up, guys, and solving problems as they come. And, and creating a culture that you can grow your business with outside of just one or two or three stores. But whenever you have stores 400 or 500 or 5,000 miles away is important. So, I and mean, we just we just talked about this on Halloween at, at my brother's party. But, I mean, what what are you guys thinking for that? I mean, I just well, one, I want to create an awesome place to work at. Like, if it's fun to go to work, you're gonna like where you work. Um, I'd like to offer benefits to people and you know ha- ha- provide them a great life. You know, maybe we're not there right now, but I would love to have that. You know, and um, I think when people, as we continue to grow and more people step up to the plate and step in a role of responsibility and become a manager or a leader at a company, you're kind of pulling them in and, and they're, they're almost like an extension of you and your passion. And they're going to purvey that to the people that work for them. And then it starts to spread. And, you know, if it, if it comes down from the top positive and through the chain of people, it's positivity amongst positivity and people build people up. It, it's kind of like contagious, but once there's, you know, somebody that gets in there, somehow they get in there and something doesn't work and they create like a negativity. It, yeah, they're it, cancerous. It can, it can affect the whole company, maybe making somebody else cry or, you know, talking shit about someone behind their back. And then I hear about it. I don't ever, I don't ever normally am the one that gets to see it happen because everybody's on their best behavior. I guess you could say when they, they're in front of you, they don't want you to think you're, they're an issue, but they'll talk about things and, you just got to nip it in the ass, like right. literally, and get rid of it. And it's so hard to do it because you're like, you got to go because of your attitude. It's, it's hard to like. An attitude that you didn't even see. You're, right. you, you know what I'm saying? A lot of times you don't see it. because. But you know what? I'll, I will sit down with you and I will talk to you and I'll tell you straight up, like, mm-hmm. this is an issue. Please fix Home it. We don't play that. Yeah. You know, so, because I want to give them an opportunity because maybe they can't see it, you know, and, it, and right. if they take it and grow from it, great. But if not, I mean, they just probably weed themselves out. Yeah. Okay, humor me. I've got a question for both of you because you're talking about personnel. One of the most common things that business owners say is how hard it is to find good people. So suppose you have two options. And option number one is a, is a, is a, a team player who is objectively good at what they do, but their heart's just not in it. The other option is somebody who maybe is not super competent. They're trying. They're they're maybe getting a little bit better, but man, they are on fire into your your culture and into the vision. You take that we, guy every time. Do you, okay. Every time, take culture over everything, heart over everything. See what we're talking about here, <clears throat> and we went through this too. Um. And I was glad to hear that you're reading "Delivering Happiness" by Tony Shea. Yeah, we're actually next Friday. We're taking everybody out who read it. Just to kind of like talk about it, I guess, you know, like, right. let's talk about what you guys liked about the book and why, like, why can't we do these kind of things at our company? Let's, right. mm-hmm. let's just start doing them, you know? Yeah. Um, so talking a little more in depth about core values. Yeah. If you don't know the story, the story is about Zappos, which is one of the best customer service experience based companies on earth. Mm-hmm. Tony Shea, brilliant man. 
took the company from zero to a billion dollars in sales in less than 10 years. They ultimately were bought out by Amazon. Um, awesome book if you own a business and you're, and you're at this level that we're talking about. How are we going to grow from, you know, me, the CEO, actually touching every employee with, with the passion and the drive and the culture that I want to instill that same passion drive culture over the course of a thousand miles or 500 miles. Okay. How do you do that? Because the reality is is I have employees that work for me. I've never fucking met. Hmm. So how do you, how do you do that? And that's a big thing for people at a level of like where you guys are at, where you're trying to grow, but you want to keep everything the same. You want to keep it uniform. And it's all comes down to the answer of how do you develop a great culture? And that starts with core values, okay? So you have to identify what your company is about. You have to define that. You have to get everybody to understand that, buy into that, understand what it means to your business. And you have to basically live and die by it, you know? And that's where you and I were talking about when we were at sales the other night about, you know, I guess like when you asked, you know, how do you find good people? It's not find good people. It's Mm -hmm. It's manufactured great make, people. Make good people. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like reinvesting in my current employees to create a manager who mm-hmm. already knows the system. I've already watched them work. I know that they're going to make the commitment. And you know that you know that their heart is 100% in to this. It's into Fit Flavors. It's into the growth. It's into the company. And they might not have the skill set, but you'll teach them the skill set. You know, and like you said, how to, which to hire the guy who's uh, skilled or the guy who has heart. Mm-hmm. Dude, you take the fucking heart. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that makes total sense. Yeah. And a willingness to learn makes up for a lot. Because, of, dude, a lot the problem. Uh, here's the thing. When you're an entrepreneur, you're going to have people come. And this is just a this is a side of the business. that's tough because you're going to have people that come in. They're going to, you know, they're going to see what you have. You're going to do a meeting and you're going to talk about the vision of where the company's going. And they're going to think in their head. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. Okay. And they're, they're going to continue to come to work and they're going to say, yeah, right. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And then what they're going to do is they're going to turn to other employees and they're going to say, yeah, I think they're full of shit. I don't think they're actually going to grow the company. I don't think they're going to actually do this. I think they're in it for themselves. They're just lying to us. You get a lot of that kind of stuff, right? And you got to end up cutting that out. And, and what will happen is, is if you develop a strong enough culture, like what will happen is, is the, the employees will weed that shit out. Like some, one employee, a new guy will come in. He'll say that shit, and the other guys will say, dude, fuck you. If you don't like it, get out. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's, hmm. It'll happen on its own. It'll self-regulate. So that's the benefit of having a strong culture is that they protect the, the, the culture of the company on their own without you having to you know, deal with it. But, I mean, you know, <clears throat> I can't tell you how many people, and I, and I don't want to, like, throw anybody under the bus here and be, be like, hey, you know, I'm just stating the facts. I mean, I've had hundreds of people over the course of our business come in, do a good job for us, become disenfranchised with the company because most of the time because they're not patient or they can't see the vision the right way. Um, You know, they have bills they got to pay. They've got things they want to do. They've got, you know, and a lot of these guys are fucking 21 years old. I'm like, bro, you are, you have a seat on the fucking rocket ship, dude. Like I would rather be you than me. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're 21. I'm 36. Like they don't get it. You know what I mean? And they come in, they do a great job. They started developing the attitude of, you know, oh, well, this, you know, that doesn't really matter. I know, I know the system so well, like, that's not a big deal. This is not a big deal. This is not a big deal. They start having performance issues. You have a conversation and it goes south. And then all of a sudden you're letting this person go for, for a number of reasons. And then the company continues to go the direction it's going. And then they come back and they say, Andy, I, you know, I apologize for the way I acted, you know, and, and we end up making up and being friends. But I mean, a lot of people ruin great opportunities for themselves by just being impatient or being, Mm -hmm. you know, frustrated with, with how slow it goes. You know, I mean, fuck dude, I want shit to happen now too, you know? And a lot of times, and I failed like as a leader, I failed in this aspect before because I've said things were going to happen now or things are going to happen right now or things are going to happen this amount of time. And I'm, I'm somebody who's aggressive and I want shit to happen now. And I've spoke out on that. And then, you know, it takes 10 times longer than what I thought it would. And then the, and it makes me look like an ass. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Where I'm mm-hmm. like, it's not that I'm like telling the guys not, 
lying to them or it's just a dude it's taking longer than i thought it would mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. and that ends up making you look like a liar you know yeah, what i'm saying absolutely so you have to be careful what you say to employees because if they say you know if you say hey we're going to do this and and a year later you still haven't done it dude they're going to think you're a piece of shit mm-hmm. so you know i don't know man it's there's a lot of things i've learned and i'm still learning every day but I can tell you one thing. The best thing that we ever did in our companies is under, learn and understand about culture because it allows you to expand on you know infinite level if you understand how to build a culture the right way. I want to go back and ask you to tease out a point that you made, but before I do that, um, I know that, that there are some elite programs in college football, college basketball, where part of the recruitment process is not just do the coaches want these players – but when the recruit comes, the current players have to sign off on 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 that recruit, like the key, like the captain and everything. And if it a captain, sense. right? So my question, but that's like a formal thing. In your in both of your companies, is it formal or is it informal? In other words, when you do you ask for the feedback? Like how do you how do you how do you ask for the feedback Dude, of your I, current? I don't even hire people anymore. I don't have anything to do with hiring people anymore. I let mm-hmm. my guys hire the people because the reality is, is they're the ones that have to work with them. Mm-hmm. Okay, they have to work with them. If they don't want to work with them, I sure as fuck don't want to insert somebody in there and then have them be like, "Dude, I didn't pick this guy." Mm-hmm. Because a couple things happen there. One, you know, they they know that they're valuable because they're the ones picking the people. So, and they also know that they're responsible. So, if a guy doesn't work out, it's not, "Hey, Andy, you fucking stuck this guy with me." Right, dude, you picked him. You know what right. I mean? Absolutely. So, I love the empowerment and the trust that's right. going you, on there. You have to because yeah. I'm not working shoulder to shoulder with these dudes every day, you know, right. I see these guys twice a month. You know, I want these guys to be happy with who they work with. I, they're going to know if they fit in the culture more than me, you know, and I trust mm-hmm. them. And, and mm-hmm. you pick guys you trust to let them do that. Now, I think you guys are, you know, we're at a, a little bit more mature level, I think, than, than what you guys are at. You no, guys, I mean, when you're saying that I'm, I'm still in every interview, very right. active in that, but mm-hmm. I've brought in, I've started to bring in other people because, um, yeah, just like you said, I want them to feel a part of it. Right. And I want right. them to have a voice and be picking these people with me. Right. You know? Well, and that way, whenever you make, you know, whenever you get a bad seed, it's not like, <laughs> oh, Jillian, you screwed up. It's like, hey, right. that guy fooled all three of us. What the fuck? So the flip side, I'm curious, though, have you ever had a situation where you're like, guys, what were you thinking hiring that guy? But then one of your guys said, Andy, I know he's rough around the edges. Dude, I, I think, yes. Yes, that's happening. 100%. Yeah. One time we... Uh, one time, one of my guys got manuf- or, um Tyler's raising his hand. He's like, him. No. <laughs> like, dude, you're still horrible, dude. <laughs> when the f- I'm waiting for you to fucking pay off. <laughs> but let's be real. You know, I had a... I, yeah, I, I did have that situation. I had a situation where um, uh, one of the, my main guys I trusted promoted a guy to a management situation. I called him and I said... Dude, I found out about it on fucking Facebook. Like, I saw, like, hey, congratulations for making manager. I'm like... What the fuck? <laughs> so I like call this dude, not the guy who got promoted, but his boss. And I said, hey, what the fuck are you doing? There's no way. And I'm like, you better call him and tell him he's not the manager. And he's like, dude, are you being serious? I'm like, yeah. He's like, what do you pay me to do? He's like, you pay me to make these decisions. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's a fucking wrong decision, dude. Well, <clears throat> so he goes, well, give him, give him 60 days. Let's give him 60 days. And then if he's not good, I'll, I'll demote him. And I'm like, that's fine. Because, you know, you can't just like, I don't know. I didn't want to just take the wind out of this dude's sails. And right. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't know. I was like in a weird spot. Mm-hmm. Did he work out? Fuck yeah. He's one of my best guys. <laughs> that's awesome. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the guy ended up working out and ended up being a great guy. He's a huge addition to the team. Yeah. Um, I love the guy personally. He's got a fucking family now. He's killing it. And, like, dude, it's been, it's been like a good lesson for me. Like, hey, dude, sometimes you're not always right. Mm-hmm. And... And I'm not, you know what I mean? I've got to trust the people that, that know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? When you and I, Fred, first met, you told me that that was one of the hardest tasks to learn to trust people, to learn to delegate and to turn things over. Yeah. Letting go. And then, yeah. God, you know, for me, I was talking about this with my mom this morning. I'm like, I have this one employee. I just, I really want them to step up and feel like they have a voice. Like I trust them to help manage more like I don't want them to feel like they work for me but with me in a sense that what you do I will support like you've proven yourself to me I know you're going to come early and stay late like I need you to be making more calls and making Mm -hmm. more decisions like that's a hard thing man and people develop in that way at different rates Mm -hmm. 
Go ahead. Yeah, on. yeah, no. That, I mean, that was it. That so, what are, what are some ways to encourage people to do that? Um, empower them. You know, support them on their decisions. Let them do things. Don't ride their ass. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm pretty good about not riding your ass. I like to know what everybody's doing, because um, I have a lot of ideas. So. If I can share with you, you know, mm-hmm. an idea I have and you can start working on it, then I can go to him and start with another idea that he's good at and he can start working on it. And then I can come back to you. And where are you? Let's where, where are and keep the thing moving. And then you're actually doing the work of something you're really good at. Mm-hmm. And I'm just helping managing it along. Mm-hmm. And I feel like get more stuff done that way. Mm-hmm. Look, I, I'm going to tell you something my dad taught me, you know, um, and it's one of the most effective things that I've ever done as a leader um, and the, you kind of have to force people to, to, to make decisions sometimes. And so the, the most effective thing that I've, I've come up with, um, and I say this under the context of like, obviously you're not going to let somebody crash and burn with a mistake that's going to ruin your business, okay? Because I know when I say this, people are going to be like, well, what if you make some mistake and your business closes? Well, you're not going to fucking do that. That's okay? not going to happen. Right. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to almost like, like the way I look at it is like, you know, when you're teaching a little kid to ride a bike, you're like right behind them, like getting ready to catch them, but they think they're doing the fucking work. You know what mm-hmm, I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's like you're running behind the bike and the kid's pedaling and he might fall and he might not fall and you're there to catch him, but they don't know that you're there to catch him. So it develops confidence. You see what I'm saying? Right, absolutely. Yeah. So like that's how you have to look at it. And one of the most effective things that, that my dad taught me, and I was fortunate, you know, my dad never like gave me money to start a business, but he was a business owner. So I had somebody, I had a really good mentor, you know, as if you've listened to the podcast, you've heard, uh, you know, the MFC dad bring his heat. That's but, right. But the reality is, is that it's a simple question. When people come to you and they say, Andy, I don't know what to do here. What do you think you should do? What do you think you should do? What would you do? What would you do? What would you do? You've said that to me before. Dude, it is the most effective. <laughs> it's the most effective personal development question you can ask somebody. <laughs> because it forces them. It yeah. sounds stupid, yeah. but it forces them to make a decision. Yeah. And like, like if the person comes back and they make like, they, they have like, like you're hoping, okay, this dude, I have faith in him. I think he can do it. He's like, what would you do? And the guy comes back with something totally wrong. You don't say, no, that's fucking wrong. You say, well, have you thought about it like this? And then, and then usually like just like a little probe will get them on the right track, mm-hmm. dude. It's and, and, and that way you're not dictating to them or like holding their hand or micromanaging. They walk out of the office thinking, fuck dude, I'm, I did it. Yeah. You know, they're having a beer when they get home. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. a, it's, it's a way to like get them to have that confidence to, mm-hmm. to, to, to make decisions, you know, mm-hmm. and very mm-hmm. simple, you know, what would you yeah. do? Yeah. What would yeah. you do? That's great. It's, it's very, it. very simple. You should do this for a living. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So guys, you know, we've covered a lot of ground. We're getting long on time here. I, you know, this has been fun. This has personally been one of my favorite podcasts that we've done because I love hearing stories. I love hearing, I love hearing like the hustle, man, like from, from making meals to the, you know, in, in the kitchen, you know, cutting thumbs off, getting all ninja and shit, and then coming all the way through to like, you know, a year from now, they're going to have five or six stores open. And, and three years from now, they'll probably have 30 stores or 40 stores. This has personally been one of the most effective and fun podcasts that I think we've done because it shows you guys being an entrepreneur is not about this like golden fucking railroad track that you get to ride. You know what I mean? It's like going off road in like a truck with no suspension and your ass being sore for the rest of your life. That's what it's about. Okay. And when you hear the stories of like, you know, cooking meals in the kitchen, cutting fucking thumbs off, you know, and then growing and having a first store, then a second store, then, you know, growing to where we're going to create a concept and a business and grow a culture. Guys, this is this is how it goes, man. You know, get out of your mind that it's going to be this easy thing or it's going to be this thing that it's like, um, you know, somebody comes along and holds your hand the whole way. No, man, it's like. It's like being in the wild, wild west and like just kind of it's organized chaos is the best way to describe it. You know, I mean, is that I mean, is that the phase that you guys are in? How how fast can you get all the stuff done and, and still do to like just life? I mean, there's so much that, that goes on with life. Like you talk about that, like five things to get accomplished in a day. It's fucking hard sometimes to get mm-hmm. five things accomplished. Right. I mean, but but if you can, I mean, just just trying to get this on this end and this on this end, and it's just a little bit closer in the direction that you're wanting to go. And by the end of the month, you can look back and be like, oh, wow, you know, I actually made ground. I closed that project, that project, and I started three new ones. Right. And people, you know, I say this a lot when I speak, people severely underestimate the amount of progress they can make 
and they, they overestimate the amount of progress they can make in like six months and they underestimate the amount of progress they can make in like 10 years. It's you know what I mean? Time. And yeah. you guys listening, you know, thinking about starting a business or in a business or working for a business, the entrepreneurial mindset of always moving forward inch by inch, day by day and hustling to do that. That's what's going to get you there. And, and, and it's going to take some time. It's not going to be something that, that you snap your fingers and say, oh, yeah, just like Drake says, oh, we started from the bottom and now we're here. Well, where the fuck are you? You know what I mean? There's there's a million. I, dude, I've been doing this for 17 years. I don't feel successful. I feel like we're still figuring it out. It's I don't know what the fuck I'm even doing. That's the truth. And so, like, you guys who are like, you know, Andy, I don't know what I'm doing. Well, fuck, I don't either. <laughs> Just go do some shit. You know what I mean? So that's the point of being an entrepreneur, guys. It's like move forward and have faith in yourself. Develop confidence in yourself day by day, step by step, mile by mile. And eventually... Good shit happens, you know. Um, Jillian, I just want to say thanks for being on the show. I'd love to have you back and talk more about some things like your guys' marketing, how, you know, what the most effective thing is, and some of the other struggles that you and I have talked about. I mean, we just can't talk for seven hours. I mean, right. we could, but, right. yeah, you know. Well, uh, if you want to check out the uh, show notes of this episode, you can go to themfceo.com forward slash P27. And, Jillian, I just want to give a shout-out to your social media connections for Fit, Fit Flavors so that people can investigate uh, your food, because it's really good food. It's, All these creepy dudes gonna be stalking her now. Well, that's well. This is this is the company, yeah. uh, the the company social media connection. So it's Fit Dash Flavors by Jillian, J I L L I A N on Facebook. Fit Flavors underscore by Jillian on Instagram, and then Twitter is at Fit underscore Flavors. And of course, I assume your website is just www.fit-flavors.com. Dot com. Right. So uh, yeah, it's been great having you. Thank you. Yeah. Guys, um, there's really not much more to say. You know, you could think, you could talk, you can, you can conceptualize, you can meet. But at the end of the day, this is all about doing shit. So go out and fucking do something. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Never take a day off.